in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Ooh, it's a dark and stormy night It is very dark and stormy If you hear benders, rumbles, sirens <laughs> Wind, rain, howling. Um, like about 20 minutes ago, tornado sirens are going off, but Texas. We tend to ignore them. I mean, we were sitting here. I looked over. I was like, we got some thick curtains on the window. I think we're fine. I don't know. Um, I'm also, I can't really stand very well because I lifted a pig today. So my back's tired. We, uh, and by we, I mean Heather and Tommy. <laughs> Tried to get Pedal over to the new house and did not, our plan, our original plan did not go as expected. So she ended up having to be put in a (laughs) U-Haul in a big old crate. I Uh, forgot to ask Tommy because I drove him to the U-Haul and waited in the car and I forgot to be like, did you go like, hey, I just need like a pig size van? <laughs> no, I'm sure he, there was no mention of the pig no. if I know him. No. She's safely at our house now and most likely inside because yeah. it is storming very bad. And so hopefully um, I'm over at Heather's recording Hello. because we moved into the new house and the studio isn't set up yet. So if now it's stopped see i don't like this a calm is when shit gets real you're gonna hear this in real time this has been a day we also uh we were about to record <laughs> and we had to pause everything because the murdoch verdict came back the jury deliberated for less than three hours and came back with guilty on all charges it definitely felt like an oj or i told you mm-hmm. it reminded me when i found out obama was elected because it was a commercial break and we'd all gotten up to like get refills and snacks and then it just came back and they're like anyway it's over it was like wait what i kind of lost my mind <laughs> because i've had this trial on all day i've carried my phone with me everywhere in case it came back because i felt like it would and then I literally turned my phone off for like 10 minutes to work on Freaky Friday. You did? Heather has her headphones on. Tornado sirens are blaring. And so I don't hear anything because she has headphones. And I was she watching. just goes, <gasps> and I was like, fuck, are we under attack? What's happening? She's like, it, they, it's guilty. <laughs> well, the worst part was I when I was watching a video of a semi that had dumped over from the rain on and the so highway i was here, watching yeah. with the headphones in because christy the noises were a lot i mean it was sirens and the dog my dog's collars were dingling paris was uh jacking with some lights dropped some it sounded like he had uh knocked over the pvc <laughs> at the home depot I mean, it was like and you're just like i'm about to lose it because christy's sensitive to sounds and we know this so i was like i want to listen to the weather i'll put my headphones in and it was like footage of a, a tumped over semi tractor trailer mm-hmm. and then i went and it was because my apple news alert popped up and it said alec murdoch guilty on all, all charges uh are you surprised no i'm well we said earlier i was going back to our text messages and this afternoon after the state's rebuttal which i thought was extremely effective yeah i i thought the metters metters did a really good job of telling that jury in the way they like to be told stuff yes and just 
real like you said folksy down to earth Mm -hmm. and stuff and i think that being the last thing they heard it was short it was concise it was heartfelt and it was confidently delivered Mm -hmm. that when they were left with that i I told you i was like i bet they'll take today and then end of day tomorrow they'll have it well man we were moving shaking i watched uh we were watching it on our phones and then all of a sudden it's just like they're back verdicts in yeah i agree with the with the verdict although now this other lawyer that was just talking on law and crime commentator has, has put a bug in my ear that my very first thing when this case came out was I thought Alec was involved, but I didn't think he pulled the trigger. And then I changed and said, I think he may have killed Maggie, but I don't think he killed Paul. And this public defender was saying in Lion Crime, he thinks Alec was involved, but he was not the trigger man and had this whole elaborate story out of that we have yet to hear until now that he had hired people to rough Paul up to kind of make him more sympathetic in the mm-hmm. media since the Mallory Beach lawsuit was pending and just to kind of scare him and and get him more sympathy and then uh shit went south quickly and they ended up both dead but I don't know about all that because there was a lot of evidence that showed None of that. That Paul didn't... There were no defensive wounds or anything. And now it looks like Paul was... But see, the fact that Paul was shot first... Mm -hmm. I feel lends to that public defender's argument. Mm -hmm. Because if the true target was Paul... Mm -hmm. And Maggie hears the shot and runs down there to him... That might make sense. Because I thought the true target was Maggie. And Paul was an innocent well not innocent he was a bystander that also lost his life i don't know i gotta process it all right going through all the evidence the only thing that points to that is him in the car saying they did him bad if he in fact said they which is what he contends meaning i guess he figured it was some sort of a hit based on the mallory beach lawsuit but i would venture a guess that it was i do agree with the financial motivation once mm-hmm. they laid it out in closing especially i thought their powerpoint except for that clip art that they use where the man is like running away with like a dollar sign in the clip art it was not a choice i would have made but i get it you needed a, an image but when they laid all that out and it was like his dad wasn't going to be able to like pay like pay for his uh expenses and his insurance was going to run out all the money was going to run out all that kind of stuff i think that together and knowing maggie owned moselle that that gives you yeah and like they said on law and crime if that was the case then it is uh one of the most sinister and disturbing murder cases that most people have seen because to kill your own family especially your own son yeah over financial stuff is Real fucking gross. Yeah, not the motivation that uh, any, as the guy said on Law and Crime, he's like, no, not that there's ever a good murder, but it is particularly depressing when you think that the the life of your wife and child is more important than Mm -hmm. money or facing up to what you've done or any of that. Yeah, well, we um, will probably do a true crime headlines on this or just maybe talk about it. It's a reaction. Yeah, (laughs) because, I mean, this is 28 days. I guess yeah, twenty eight um, days. A couple of those were the Vordire, but uh, yeah, it was like a twenty five day trial. So a lot it to has take now. In. It is now ended. They're sentencing tomorrow morning at nine thirty 
local time. So by the so, time you hear this, it might be you might he might have been sentenced. Yeah. And they the judge said in South Carolina the minimum sentence for murder is thirty years and he will be charged independent you know, both victims get a charge. So if those run concurrently and he gets minimum of sixty years and he's what, sixty right now? Yeah, so can consecutively would be if they stacked him. So then he would yeah. never ever get out. Nope. And then yeah, if they ran concurrently, yeah, that's the the you're right. That's that's it. That's it. I and mean, no matter what, with he's the not, financial crimes. Yeah, he's not getting out no. until. As the that defense attorney pointed out, it's not like the healthcare is like the best either. Yeah. So you're not getting the same. You know, joyful. He said jail year, years aren't the same. Yes, as that's what he said. Other years, you know, you might say he has ten years left. Well, in jail, that could be five years because of the healthcare. Yeah. Well. There it is. Well, there it is. Well, and here this is. Oh, um, yeah. That, you were just talking about a very odd but true story, and then we're going to bring you some much less gruesome odd but true stories now. Definitely. And well, I don't know. This first one. Shocking. <laughs> uh, yeah. my it's The story around it, definitely. Uh, heinous. Heinous. So, well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from Julia, and Julia is from Denmark, and the subject line is, I saw Peter Madsen's arrest. Hi guys, love your show and was so excited to see you chose to talk about the Kim Wall case. I previously sent in this story, but I immediately hated everything I wrote after I sent it in. So, since you're covering the case, I thought I would try again. I'm from Denmark, so I'm sorry if my sentence construction is strange. I hope that's okay. Before I get into the time I saw Peter get out of the rescue helicopter, I wanted to talk about how the whole case affected my country. Because as you said, Denmark is a very safe place, and murder rarely occurs. This murder and the case with Peter London are the two cases everyone knows about. London first murdered his mom, and he and his father buried her. Then he murdered his girlfriend and her two sons, and cut them into small pieces to hide the evidence. Both Madsen and London's cases happened in Sealand, which is where Copenhagen is and where I live. The fact that both these murderers are named Peter is kind of weird. What's up with the name Peter? So before Kim's murder, everyone kind of knew Peter Madsen to be this genius science guy who was a bit strange, but he was on TV and was still kind of a big deal. After Kim's death, my physics teacher told me in my class that he went on a field trip to Peter's workspace and was shown around and talked to Peter along with the students. I mean, he was pretty well-respected and people trusted him. Before listening to your episode, I never knew that he actually wasn't a genius because he was always made out to be one in the media. All in all, this horrible murder was so unexpected and made a big impact on my country. Since Sealand is a pretty small place, I feel like you kind of always know someone who saw something or knew someone involved. For example, with the London case, I found out my classmate used to be his neighbor, which is so scary. Like, what the fuck? Now to when I saw Peter Madsen. My grandmother lives on a smaller island off of Copenhagen, where the helicopter landed after Madsen's rescue. I was visiting my grandmother, and we decided to go have a picnic on one of the hills overlooking the sea by the marina. So we sat there eating our food, when suddenly this giant helicopter landed just down the hill from where we were sitting. My grandmother had been keeping up with the news and knew that something had happened with a submarine. She told me who Peter was and that he'd been rescued from a submarine. At the time, she didn't know anything had happened to Kim. 
As you said, the radio reported that they were both fine. So when we saw Peter, and I think it was military, get out of the helicopter and put him into a police car, as if he were under arrest, we were both really confused. I thought to myself, why is this man who's just been rescued from a drowning submarine being arrested? And where is the journalist? My grandmother and I went home and kind of forgot about it. When the news of Kim's murder got out later, everything we saw started to make sense. And I thought to myself, holy shit, WTF. This man was only like a couple hundred meters away from my grandmother and me. Anyway, I hope this was maybe a bit interesting and gave some insight into how people perceived Madsen before the murder. If you have any questions, feel free to ask. I know there are a lot of cultural differences between Denmark and America. And yeah, there are some strange laws. Again, I love the show and you two bring me both so much joy. Best wishes from Denmark. That is fascinating. Thank you so much, Julia, for sending that in. Because I did wonder, we got some comments, like I said, on social media, but I wanted, I like to hear the overall, you know, if you're not really following something like this and you're like, oh, that guy, like that's the rocket guy. Oh, he's the genius rocket guy. And it's interesting, this public perception versus what we know, which is he was uh, hiding something really horrible. Yeah. And he wasn't as smart as... He led everyone to believe he just kind of surrounded himself with smart people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, to be that close to someone that's capable of s- something like that is very eerie. It is one. I think it's fascinating given the one of the comments we got on social media. The person said, oh, the, the older men in my country were like, she was asking for it. Yeah. She shouldn't have get on, got on the submarine. This says the physics teacher said that the class went on a field trip and was shown around Along with the students, people were just visiting the lab. Yeah, I think that he was very open to the public about people visiting it. I mean, most of the people that went there were wow. volunteers. That is very, uh, very eerie that they were that close. And then, yeah, you just see a helicopter going, oh, that guy must be safe. Nope. There goes the police. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Julia, for that insight. Sinisterhood will be right back. This next one is from all of this, and the subject line is, My old church was harboring a fugitive and a sex pest. Hi, ladies. I've been really digging Freaky Friday lately. Y'all make me laugh so hard. Let's get into it. Backstory. I was in a strict evangelical Christian community when I was in my late teens to early 20s. I left church entirely about two years ago because my friend was kicked out for being gay and a slew of other reasons. But let's move on to the story. In 2012, I was really involved with the young adult ministry and teaching Sunday school at a particular church. The head pastor's nephew had just got out of prison for drug charges. To try and keep him clean, his mom sent him to live out of state with relatives. I'll call him Isaiah for flow. Isaiah was very charismatic and declared that the Lord had completely freed him from addiction and that he was led by God to be in ministry as a pastor. He could quote the Bible and was very good at speaking to crowds. Isaiah would help me clean up from Sunday school all the time, and because he didn't have a car, he always asked me for rides to events. One day after church, he grabbed my arm in a really flirty manner and tied a green ribbon around my wrist, my favorite color. He said something about thinking of me and not having a lot of money. I was a very naive 20-year-old and thought he had a crush on me. He was young, dark, and handsome, and funny. I've always been introverted and nerdy, so he made me feel special. 
After a year or so of getting his life together with a job and a car, the head pastor of the church gave Isaiah a pastoral job at a church plant a few towns over. Hello, nepotism. Out of nowhere, he was engaged to one of the worship singers, but they broke it off almost as soon as it was announced. It turns out he was having private Bible studies at his apartment with this poor girl. He put her in a vulnerable position, and they ended up having sex. That's a big no-no in purity culture. The church usually rushes marriage to save face. It's super messed up and abusive in hindsight. The church dissolved after low membership in 2015, so I lost touch with a lot of these people. Isaiah ended up with a different girl from the church and moved all around the country. Occasionally, he would message me or send me songs saying he was thinking about me. He stressed that our relationship was platonic and started calling me little sister. This last year, I went to a reunion with some of the people from the young adult ministry. I talked with the former assistant pastor about Isaiah. I mentioned how he used to flirt with me and that I hadn't heard about him in a long time. He said Isaiah was a charlatan and that he counseled a lot of the girls that he had ended up involved with. It was a known problem that he tried to sleep with every girl in our age group at the church and that his uncle, the head pastor, swept it all under the rug. I dodged a fucking bullet. Yikes. That's not even all of it. The assistant pastor dropped a huge bombshell on me. A few years ago, he was questioned by the FBI about Isaiah's involvement in the beating death of an elderly man in 2011. The man was discovered a day later, was hospitalized for weeks, and never recovered from his injuries. The case had gone cold and Isaiah was on the run for nine years. They only caught him because he was dumb enough to move back to his home state. I get really freaked out looking back. I drove Isaiah around and stayed up all night drinking coffee with him at Waffle House. I could have been another notch in his belt if he'd had the chance to isolate me like the other girls. I have a lot of feelings about the evangelical Christian church, but I'll spare those. I'm just reflecting on how utterly fucked up this is. His uncle knew about his predatory behavior, but did he know anything about the murder? I'm on a wild self-discovery journey and don't identify as Christian anymore. Thanks for reading, ladies. Love you both. Keep it creepy. Oh, my goodness. The type of nepotism that would get him a job is egregious enough. But the fact that it was not just an open secret, but to the point that they're having to, like, arrange marriages because of this guy. Uh, I don't think it's just him. That's evangelical Christianity in general. If you... uh, do the deed before you've said I do. It's time to get married. You better get down to the courthouse pretty quick. Yeah, the whole, I mean, if the uncle knew about the women at church, I'm not sorry, not women, the girls that he was preying on at church, who knows if he said, you know, I did something bad, and he's like, you got to get out of town. This happened in my church, though, not the known calculated but going to drink coffee late at night at the waffle house and talk about the lord and it all creeps me out i've I've never enjoyed any of that i told you my mom in high school that guy came to my our house and was like come sit out with me on the stoop and when you think about it like as a 15 16 year old she's right i mean it makes you feel like oh my gosh i am special and all that is is just grooming Mm -hmm. under the guise of the lord I've talked about Young Life before, oh, yeah. and someone emailed us that was very entrenched in Young Life and shed a lot of light on um, how it is very, it's a very problematic, in this person, what they said, organization that does groom and prey on younger people to 
give up a whole lot for for this and give up their lives and give a lot of money. And it's also there's a lot of uh, sexual abuse that goes on within organizations like this. That's awful because they used to always come have lunch with oh, people yeah. at my That's school. That's why, because we were 15. I can't tell you how many times. And the person that emailed said that was their MO. They got good looking college age kids to go to high schools and like act like we're all friends and we're cool and then they would bring you and that's exactly what happened at my high school all the time oh my goodness well i'm very glad for all of this that y'all got out of that and yikes don't let people go to waffle house late at night with your teen daughter because that's i mean not that my mom let me i just was like hey i'm going outside and she's like wait what you know and luckily we were in the front yard but you just because they're from a church no uh oftentimes that's that's a big reason not to let them out there well this next one is from haiti and it is called lunatic in miami hi ladies my name is haiti kind of like the country let me start off with the obligatory praise you deserve thank you for everything you do and for bringing so much awareness to important cases and good causes In the middle of the winter blues, a.k.a. severe seasonal depression, all I need is my Lexapro and the Sinisterhood podcast. Let's get to the story. January 2021, I had recently started a work-from-home job and thought I should take full advantage. As I mentioned before, I have seasonal depression, and being half Cuban, I thought a nice trip to my second home of Miami might just pick me up. Fully masked with hand sanitizer in tow— I thought I should take two weeks to do some touristy sightseeing in Miami. I've been going there since an infant. I'm now 28, but had never really gone as a tourist. As soon as that sun hit my skin, it's as if I had come back to life. I embarked on a few days of visiting the art district, aquariums, the beautiful beaches, and of course, the malls. Some Florida natives would be familiar with the Upper Buena Vista Mall. I had never been, so I thought I'd pay a trip. Now, as I was traveling alone as a female, I'd always be very aware of my surroundings and who I'd speak to, but nothing in life prepared me for meeting an actual lunatic. I'd wandered up to the second floor looking for the wishing trees. The mall had a beautiful garden of lighted trees where you would write down a wish and hang it on the tree. This was when a young man, no older than 23 I'd say, approached me. Hey, excuse me, what's your name? I'm sorry, do I know you? No, I just like going to different places alone and meeting different people. What's your name? Uh, Haiti? Oh, nice. I'm Jonathan. That's not his real name because, honestly, I don't remember his real name. Hi? You from around here? No, I'm visiting from Jersey. By yourself? As soon as he asked if I was by myself, I started to feel uneasy. His appearance was kind of familiar, and when I looked at him, my mind flashed back to that episode of Degrassi where Drake's character had gotten shot by that white dude who was getting bullied. Jonathan could have been that guy's brother. They looked so much alike. Answering his question, I said, No, with family? Do you know what a lunatic is? Um, yeah. Do you know where the word lunatic came from? I mean, luna means moon in Spanish, so I'm assuming from there... Did you know there's a full moon out tonight? That means the lunatics come out. Ha! I mean, I guess if you believe in that, I'm a lunatic. What? You seem perfectly normal. That was a bold-faced lie. This guy was a total weirdo. He said, no, I am. So are you staying nearby? This was when the red flags in my head finally went up. 
I said, I have to go. My mom's waiting for me so we can go. He said, can I have your Instagram? I said, no, sorry, bye. I had no idea where I was going, but I just headed towards the escalator in my sight. Jonathan was still protesting in the back, but at this point, I was like, okay, I just need to get away. After such a weird interaction, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to head straight to my car in case he follows me to the parking garage. So I spent another hour in the mall, spending time at the wishing trees and even catching some dinner. I practically ran to my car and had 911 dialed on my phone just in case. The eerie feeling the guy had given me really stuck with me for the whole drive to the Airbnb that was 30 minutes away. Luckily, the next day, I would be leaving Miami to head to Fort Myers to visit family. I spent the whole morning cleaning and started packing up the rental car for the two-hour drive. As I had just started adding my bags to the trunk, I saw it. There had been an abandoned mattress thrown out on the curb that I'd parked next to the night before. Now, this mattress was laid upright and spray-painted in black with the word lunacy, adorned with a moon. As soon as I saw it, I panicked. He had followed me home. I kicked it into overdrive and rushed to get out of there. Who knew if he was still watching me or was planning on coming back? I was so scared. I finished packing up and hauled my ass out of Miami, the whole time checking the rearview mirror just in case he'd been following me. It wasn't until I was an hour into my drive that I finally calmed down. I've attached a picture of the mattress. Looking at it for the first time in years today still gives me the heebie-jeebies. Ladies, please be careful who you talk to, especially if you're traveling solo. You never know if one day you'll also run into a lunatic. Do you remember the guy from Degrassi she was talking about? I never watched Degrassi. This is what he looks like. Uh, pulling a picture of Rick oh, Murray. Okay. If you want to Google All it at right. home. Rick, also known as That's Creep. interesting because that's kind of what I pictured in my head Long, when reading the story. Longish hair, wire rim glasses. Yeah. Um, kind of slight. Yeah. Haiti included a picture of this mattress and very clearly in huge black spray paint. It says exactly that lunacy with a uh, half moon. Yeah. drawn on it so um yeah if i came out and saw that i'd be very panicked too to know that he absolutely followed you home oh yeah that's not a coincidence no, i mean it's not I don't like think so. i just happened upon you know if they said i don't even know what could be a coincidence of like the newspaper you know just something laying around or but some specific a word, word that was more like common Stop. yeah exactly <laughs> or like just a person's name but the fact that he was so insistent and repeated the word lunatic and talked about the moon and everything, and then you see that, I'm glad that it it stopped there. Yeah. That he didn't try and come to the door or anything. No, it's just eerie that you think like, oh, I'm going to, I'll lose him in the mall, walking around, buying dinner, really shake him, then walk to my car. And it, that just means the whole time you're at the wishing tree and dinner, you hadn't lost him. Yeah. Horrifying. It, it gives me... Big time creeps when, um, in hindsight, you find out someone has been watching you or, you know, you didn't know that they were in a place where you also were and were hiding or something. It, uh, yeah. Speaking of heebie-jeebies. Yes. Gives no. me them big time. That is the uh, exact word I would use as yes. well. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, thank you. This next one is from Liz. And the subject line is the creepy guy at the gas station. Hello, ladies. Thank you so much for all the hard work and dedication you both do. Like everyone else, I greatly appreciate it. 
I'm not much of a small talker, so let's get right into the story. Back in 2016, I was a sophomore in college in Savannah, Georgia, when Hurricane Matthew hit. I'm a Northeast girl, so any experience I had with hurricanes were usually just when they became tropical storms. At the time, we noticed that this hurricane was becoming a Cat 5, and we were going to have to evacuate the next day. My one friend had a lake house outside of Atlanta that we were all able to drive through. So at 10 p.m. that night, we all packed up our cars and drove to the lake house. I was in a car with my two guy friends who didn't know the area we were driving into. This was the year the clown pandemic was happening, and we all joked about us getting lost in the woods and seeing clowns. The funny thing is, we did get lost in the woods, although that isn't where things get weird. After driving for a bit and getting lost, we decided to stop off at a gas station off the highway around 2 a.m. My one guy friend, let's call him James, went inside the gas station with me to get some coffees and treats while my other friend Harry was filling up the gas tank. James and I got our iced coffees and decided to get one for our friend Harry since he was driving us to the house. We went into the checkout line, and this guy came into the store and stood right behind my friend. Harry came into the store. We waved at him, and our friend waved back. I noticed the guy in line with us also waved at our friend. I thought it was a bit weird, but didn't think much of it. Harry told us that he was going to go to the bathroom and then would be ready to leave. We said we would meet him in the car. James and I bought our stuff and went to the car to wait for Harry. As we do that, we see the man who was in line with us also go to the bathroom. In a matter of 30 seconds, our friend Harry rushes out to the car and yells, We gotta go! Right now! Lock the fucking doors! Both James and I start to panic and go, What's going on? What happened? Harry points inside the store and says, That dude is bad news. We look over and see the man we saw earlier in line with us, quickly moving from the bathrooms towards the doors to the outside. We put on our seatbelts, and my friend drives off. I yell, we're going the wrong way, we're going the wrong way. Harry yells, who cares, he's following us. I turn around to the back window and notice that the guy was trying to run to where our parked car was, and then ran to his truck on the opposite side of the gas station. That's when all three of us realized, holy shit, this dude really is trying to follow us. As I'm trying to get the GPS back up, James says, what the hell happened? Harry then tells us, I had a really weird feeling when that dude waved at me. So when I went into the bathroom, I went into the stalls instead of the urinal. Sure enough, I hear the bathroom door open a couple seconds later. And when I went outside to wash my hands, I see the guy there holding the condom in his hand. I freaked out, ran past him and went immediately to the car. Both James and I just sat there in bewilderment and didn't know what to say. We then asked if he was okay, and he said he just wanted to get to the house and sleep. Once we finally got to the house, we told everyone what happened. We were all terrified whether this man had followed us all the way here and if he was going to try to get inside. Thankfully, nothing else happened. I always wonder what happened to that man and if he ever tried doing that to another person. Part of me wonders if we all exaggerated what we saw because of our exhaustion. I'm not sure. All I know is that whenever I think about hurricanes, I think about this story. Liz. Uh, I think if I walked out and a dude was just standing there holding the condom, I would immediately, my brain would go to bad places. So I don't, I don't think you're exaggerating anything. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Especially if he waved and your friend didn't yeah. wave back or make an indication. Like, 
I'm going, you're going. I feel like this is the second one on Patreon. We talked about the gentleman that lurked outside the bathroom at the office building. We all just have to get bathroom etiquette. Like, you go in, you go out, no lurking, no well, talking. I think, I don't think this guy was, I think this guy had other intentions. That's what I'm saying. We all just need, it's a sacred place. Don't chase anybody in there. Don't pull out a condom. Don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Don't, unless I say, can you spare a square and you've got a square to spare. We all just need to get in, do our business and get out and don't bug each other. But I would say, okay, it could be a misunderstanding until the fact that if he scrambles toward where your car was. Yeah. And then you note him getting into his truck. That's when I'm like, no, nah, that was intentional. The waving, too. I mean, yeah. it was it was an acknowledgement, like, and maybe the guy thought Harry had waved at him and mm. was, like, kind of putting up a signal, like, hey, I'm into this. If you're yeah. into this, and cl- he quickly learned Harry was not, that's where you would think it was in, but the f- running after and then getting into his car, too, Seemed like this guy didn't want to take no for an answer. Well, and also, your whole heart evacuating from a hurricane, that should be the last thing on your <laughs> mind is fucking in a gas station bathroom. Get safe. You or it's think, like, we're all going down. We might as let's well. Let's just do it. Yeah. Enjoy ourselves. Well, Liz, I, I'm glad y'all made it uh, out of there and that nobody followed you and spray painted a mattress. Right. Like uh, what happened to Haiti. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this next one is from Katie, and the subject line is, I survived childhood in the 80s, 90s, barely. Hey, ladies, started listening to you two years ago when I quit smoking cigarettes and was trying to fill my head with anything but thoughts of smoking. Now I feel like you're my virtual besties and have carried me through some dark times. So thank you for doing what you do. I've been wanting to write for a while, but couldn't narrow it down to one story. So I decided I'd write in with two brushes with true crime today and save the story about the haunted-ass house I lived in for another time. Being succinct in my storytelling is not what I'm known for, but I'm going to try really hard to keep these three stories to the point. Here we go. Picture it. Sicily, 1922. (laughs) Okay, but seriously. Picture it. 1988. I was seven years old, walking home from school in a very small Midwestern town in Illinois. I grew up about an hour outside of Chicago. I always love to hear Heather talk about her time there. Anyway, I'm walking home from school when a man pulls up alongside me in his car and starts talking to me. I don't know if you guys remember, but to me, it felt like everyone was getting kidnapped in the 80s. Was it because so many of us were latchkey kids going home to empty houses? Well, thankfully, I was about a block or so from my grandparents' house, and it was within sight. The man asked me if I'd like a pencil. I definitely had stranger danger drilled into my head at school, and we'd been told all their little tricks. I remember thinking to myself, really? You think I'm that fucking stupid? I declined his offer for the pencil, and by this time, my grandpa had stepped out onto the porch and was watching the interaction. I remember feeling so relieved when I saw him. This man insisted that I needed a pencil, and he held up a handful of brightly designed pencils trying to entice me to come closer. I pointed to my grandpa and said, that's my grandpa right there. The man looked where I was pointing, saw my grandpa standing on the porch, and immediately drove away. To this very day, I find it hard to believe that almost happened to me, and I actually lived it. My vivid imagination has thought one too many times about what could have happened to me that day if I had gotten into his car. It explains why I have drilled it into my own daughters as they have grown up. Now for my next story. This guy I was dating at the time and myself were invited to a hotel party by another high schooler. This kid's name was David, and he was definitely one of the more quiet kids in school. Unassuming, 
Not exactly a popular kid, but wasn't bullied or anything like that. I was always friendly and kind to everyone. You would never catch me bullying someone. So I'm assuming that because I had been friendly with him, I made the invite list, and my boyfriend did by default. David had rented a hotel suite for the night. This was a popular thing to do in our small town with nothing to do, so going to a hotel room party was not out of the ordinary. It was a small gathering, maybe 10 of us at the most. At first, everything was going fine. We were all hanging out and drinking and having a good time. My boyfriend and I left for a while. I can't remember why, probably to score more alcohol or weed. When we came back, things were different. David was being weird and creepy. He wasn't really talking to anyone and kind of existing on the outskirts of the party. More of an observer than a participant. My boyfriend and I decided to go back to the bedroom we had claimed and make out for a while. In that time, everyone else left except for David. When we came back out, we were heading down the hall, and David stepped out from a bedroom with his hands behind his back. Creep me right the fuck out immediately. We went to the living room part of the room to hang out, and the way David was moving around us was in such a way to keep his back to us and whatever was in such a way to keep his back and whatever he was hiding behind it away from us. My boyfriend and I exchanged looks like, what the fuck is going on? My boyfriend motioned with his head for me to follow him to the bedroom again. We got in there and immediately started talking about how creepy David was being, like what the fuck did he have behind his back and how we needed to gather our things to leave. We were scared at this point and weren't sure how to get out of there without upsetting him. We decided we were going to go out there and try to gather what we could and make up an excuse about needing to leave again. As we were trying to gather the stuff, David was still creeping around with his hands behind his back. He had this blank look on his face and it was so creepy. At the same time, my boyfriend and I were at the right angle to catch a glimpse of the knife he was hiding behind his back. We did not waste even one second in that moment. We both looked at each other, nodded, and ran as fast as we could for the door. We booked it down the hotel hallway, down the steps, and out the lobby without looking back. To this day, I have no idea what David's intentions were. If he was just trying to be a creeper and freak us out, or if he was planning to murder us. I got curious a few years ago and looked him up. He's in prison for domestic violence and sex crimes. So what the actual fuck might have happened that night? Holy shit. So those are my two scary brushes with true crime from my youth and adolescence. I didn't even mention the time we were shot out while exploring an old abandoned house and I dove in the bed of my friend's truck, never spilling my beer like a good Midwesterner. Thanks for letting me share, ladies. I can't wait to write in about the haunted house. Keep it creepy. Don't like any of that. We used to Mm-mm. we used to get hotel rooms quite a bit in high school to do the same stuff, but never once was a knife pulled out. No. So that that's good. It's um if you're first of all, you're making out with your boyfriend, you've had a little bit to drink, you've had some to smoke, you're probably having a good night, and then you come out everybody's gone. Yeah. First of all, rude. Nobody came and like said, Hey, we're all taking <laughs> off because David is acting weird and has a knife in his hand. No. We're just going to leave you guys making out in the bedroom. So, so creepy. Yeah. I'm glad y'all got out. Knowing now that he's in jail for those crimes, I, f- I feel like you dodged a bullet. Yeah. Or he dodged was... a knife blade, rather. <laughs> right? It sounds like he was tempted with the fantasy mm-hmm. or early on. That's It's so creepy to think that he was 
It's not like, okay, he stood up from the couch and we saw that the knife was next to him or something. The fact that he was following him around with the suite, hiding it behind his back, like... Came out of the bedroom. So he'd had it in the bedroom. Yeah. Hidden it. I guess this was like two bedrooms. And was waiting. Yeah. And also brought it out after everyone had left, but y'all... Oh, that doesn't give me a good feeling. No, I'm very glad that y'all got out and he didn't try and block the door or something. Right. I also would like to know a follow-up of if that got around school. Did y'all go and tell the other people you were with, like, hey, assholes, first of all, why'd you abandon us? (laughs) Second of all, when you left, David had a knife. (laughs) Like, had they known and that's why they left? Did they just leave because they got bored or a weird feeling? We always like follow up. So, Katie, if you could just answer those questions for me, just for my own personal curiosity, I would appreciate it. Yeah, I would love to know if he became known as like Knife Kid or it got around like, don't go to a party with David in the suite. Mm -hmm. Things take a turn. And being offered, you're right, though, for a while, I think it was with Adam Walsh case and then in the 80s and 90s there became I don't know that if quote everybody was getting kidnapped more if there was a rise in kidnapping but there was definitely a push towards awareness yeah well Amber Hagerman was in the it was like 95 yeah like 90 I was like about nine or ten yeah but I remember all of those trainings and pushing you know Mm -hmm. John Mulaney has a whole bit about stranger danger and it is you know if you're seven and someone offers you a pencil and you haven't otherwise been taught that you'd be like fuck yeah I want a free pencil I hate that and that guy Oh, I hate that guy. It's to drive around with just something that you're like, oh, kids will like this. This will entice them. Fuck you forever. Mm -hmm. I hope that you're rotting in prison somewhere because he did not have good intentions, especially if when she was like, my grandfather's right there. He books it. Yeah. He just drove off. Doesn't I think sound not. like he had anything good in mind. I've said many times before, my biggest fear as a kid was getting kidnapped. This is like my exact nightmare. And I could feel the relief you felt when you see your grandfather mm-hmm. step out and you're like, okay, well, at the very least, if I get snatched, my grandfather's going to see uh-huh. who took me and can, can help. But... That's so fucking scary, and I'm glad that you got out of it. I think also the push in the 80s, maybe it did have a lot to do with, like, latchkey kids. because mm-hmm. And that's also working. when, like, dare and stuff happened. So there were all these, like, pushes for, like, kids to be made more aware of stuff. So maybe were kids getting kidnapped more? I don't know. Was it being talked about more? I think so. Yeah, that's true. And uh, trying to curb the amount of kidnapping because yeah there was more people joining the workforce like more two-parent mm-hmm. working homes and stuff so that's a good Satanic good connection panic that's true too. coming up too yeah if, if you the kids are going to get lured and they're going to join the devil mm-hmm. worshipers that's what we were always told everything was the devil worshipers we had devil worshipers oh. they they were not no we, there was they never I think were i've said before like these subdivision i grew up in there was a cemetery. <laughs> okay, I don't recall that at all. I, I thought I told you that. And so we That's would ride our bikes over to it. And oh it was just like next to this, in between these houses. And there was a fence around it. So no, I don't know if it was a private cemetery or what. But there was always rumors like, That's where devil worshippers go. In hindsight, it was probably like cool either place. there and the subdivision was built up around it or... It was a family plot. They're like, <laughs> they're like, you know what? We're going from this house straight to the ground. You don't have to do much. Just, <laughs> just dig a hole. Just plop us right over there. That's a mesquite, man. That's why the, there's that cemetery with those body parts buried right by the college. Because that was like the family home 
they sold the family home to make it into Eastfield College, the community college. But part of the agreement was that they could not dig up the bodies or, or plow over it. So the little track, you know, where you go run, like the track and that's field. over the cemetery? It's right. The cemetery is right there. I mean, you can see it. And then oh. that's the cemetery that has like the arm of one guy and the foot of another person, like the body parts all buried over there. Why were they, why did they have body parts? Well, when you were a kid, it was like, I don't know. That was like the spooky story of like the Motley Cemetery. The guy's foot is buried there. In reality, I'm pretty sure one guy got into a horse accident and they just had to like amputate it. And for whatever religious reasons, they buried it. And then the other guy had lost. With the body? No, just he was alive. His foot got damaged and they buried the foot. And then later he died and then he got buried in a grave. Oh. And then another guy was working at a grain mill and his arm got lopped off. And then they buried the arm. So, but there's a headstone that says, Interesting. Here lies the arm of blah, 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 Motley. Wow. I've never heard of that. Perhaps it is a religious thing. Tommy heard of it because he read the children's well, book. Well, yeah, Tommy but that and guy. Eastfield, he did a whole semester there. You too. So he's an alum. He's a one semester harvester, uh, too? He may have gone for a year. I don't remember, but I'm it's just a one. You're a one semester? I'm a one semesterer. <laughs> uh, man, you I and Tommy, man, you had very similar lives and childhoods when i, I will sh- say and you both like grew up in the same area it's honestly at some point if we could have footage of both of y'all's lives you absolutely <laughs> crossed paths at certain times oh, like sure. you were in the same stadium at the same time or at the same or like, like battle of the band yeah or same like kind of a school event or something yeah you had to have been <laughs> whenever i guess when my, with my brother and uh brother-in-law and sister were like oh yeah we were talking about ponchos and and I was like, oh, Tommy As said one does. he remembers going to, which is a Mexican <laughs> buffet in the DFW area and you raise a little flag. That was yeah. technically the Italian flag because it was just, there was no yeah. printing on it. You raise a little flag to get more food. But they were like, oh, what, did Tommy grow up in Mesquite? And I was like, oh, he spent time in Mesquite, Box Springs and Garland. And my brother-in-law went, the trifecta. <laughs> Which are like the Holy Eastern, Trinity, yeah, the Holy Trinity of Eastern <laughs> Dallas suburbs. But yeah, this uh, all of this type of like stranger danger and stuff mm-hmm. that was all mesquite as well. They they drilled that into our head, especially you got to. Especially I will be drilling 90s. it in. I have thought many times, what? How do I talk to this with Ella without flipping her the fuck out? And I don't know that I, know. I haven't figured it out. What I have a McGruff the Crime Dog, and I have several cassette tapes and songs <laughs> we could teach her about Stranger Danger. From no, the no 80s, touching. Though. It's legitimate, old timey. <laughs> oh and no, Stranger Danger, the crack epidemic. <laughs> she does need to know about that. <laughs> it talks about everything. I have the original booklet. And, oh man, and I it, gotta listen to that because I want to know if it holds up. Oh, I bet the, the Stranger Danger. I mean, the way it's probably. The words used. We probably need to change it, edit it a bit. We might. Yeah, we'll check we'll it see. out. We'll, we'll see what it says. First. Um, we'll listen first. I think it might have been Tommy. No, you know what? It was um, Austin and Adam and Tommy was here. It was when we were filming that short film last fall. And there is a rap that McGruff the Crime Dog has. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's about cocaine. That it, Honestly, the song slaps. And the message is great. Don't do coke. But it's a good song. <laughs> So we'll have to. I gotta listen to it. I'll bust out the McGruff, and if it helps, I can hide behind a puppet show kind of thing. You can have a conversation with McGruff. I'll just work the hand. Oh yeah, and then we can teach her about you know all the things. Yeah, she'll. It's gonna. It's gonna teach her something. I don't know if it's gonna teach her not to get in the car with strangers, but she'll learn something that day and probably change the way her childhood goes. It'll give her something to talk with her like, therapist about when learn? she's in her twenties. Yeah, how'd you learn not to get into cars? Well. My mom and her quirky best friend. 
sat me down. There was a puppet and there was a cassette tape. I'd never seen one. Don't even to this day. Nobody uses them. I don't know where they found it. Maybe this is not with Ella, but maybe we do a Patreon. Um, we could listen do a McGruff. through of McGruff because yeah, I gotta know what he's got to say. Oh man, it would be fun. We'll all learn something. Well, thank you very much, Katie, for sending that in. Sinisterhood. We'll be right back. Well, this last one we have is from Jen, and the subject line is, My Encounter with a SWAT Team. Hello to two of my favorite ladies to listen to. You guys are a breath of fresh air. I love your hot takes and calling the BS as you see it. Sometimes your reactions seem to be reading my mind word for word. Although this experience scared the shit out of me at the time, I think you'll get a little laugh. Here goes. I was living with my cousin and her once-in-a-lifetime dog after separating from my abusive ex-husband. One night, the dog was going crazy outside, which was very unusual because he was the most well-mannered dog I'd ever met. We opened the door to investigate what was going on just as three large raccoons began attacking him, causing him to cry for help. Every time we opened the door to try to get him in, the raccoons would charge the door. Up until then, I'd envisioned wanting one as a pet. As you can imagine, we were hysterical, screaming and crying, trying to get this sweet fur baby inside to no avail. My cousin's new boyfriend happened to be there and quickly asked if we wanted him to step in. Unbeknownst to me, he meant with a gun. I've never liked guns a single day of my life, but at the time, I was appreciative that he had one. He took quick action to rescue the dog under attack. I cringed with every gunshot, worrying about our sweet boy. Sadly, one raccoon was killed and the others fled. We rushed to get the beloved dog inside and, after assessing his wounds, I went outside to my horse trailer to get my animal first aid necessities. When I rushed out the front door, I saw my cousin's boyfriend laying face down in the road, hands behind his back with a dozen SWAT guns trained on him. He calmly told me to go back inside and that everything was okay. I was shaking. How was everything okay? What was happening? Several minutes after going inside, one of the officers knocked on the door and asked us to step outside where we were frisked. I've never been in trouble with the law, and this just escalated the adrenaline already coursing through my veins. With a very shaky voice, I asked what was going on. Was everything okay? Forgetting all the nightmarish events that had just taken place. The officer explained that a neighbor had called the police because she heard women screaming, a few gunshots, then silence. OMG. Still shaking, I tried to explain what happened, and after seeing the dog, police realized we were telling the truth. The boyfriend was given a warning, and a few of them came and gave the fur baby a little love, shaking their head and grinning before leaving. We laugh about it now, but holy hell was it scary at the time. I can only imagine what the poor neighbors were thinking at the time. Hysterical screaming, gunshots, then silence? It would have rattled me too. I'm not sure that this qualifies as a Freaky Friday material, but I hope it gives you guys a little laugh. Thank you for all that you do and the joy you both spread. I hope to see you guys live soon. I'm attaching a picture of the sweet dog at the center of the story who has since passed away due to old age. He really was the best boy. Best wishes, Jen. He's very sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, very sweet doggo. I, when I was first reading this, thought, oh my gosh, the boyfriend has a, a prior charges or something right? and police showed up. It makes much more sense that the the neighbors called the cops. Also, 
Good on the neighbors. You never know what could have gone on over there. Yes, it ended up being nothing. But usually when you hear women screaming, gunshots, no more screaming, you would assume, okay, someone just died. Right. And especially if it was screaming for like a prolonged period and two different women and you can't make out what they're saying. Like if it was one person being like, get the raccoon. But if it's like, (laughs) get it. And then you just hear bang, bang. You don't know the difference in a raccoon Mm -mm. fiasco and what uh, it could have been a massacre. I mean, honestly, I would have called it in too. And definitely. I had no idea. I mean, you told me at our Ohio live show, or the Cleveland live show, we talked about the Ohio State Reformatory about your friend's menstruation attracting yeah. a band of raccoons. Uh, she got attacked by a raccoon in a park, and yeah. she attributed it to the fact that she was on her period, and the raccoon could smell blood. <laughs> I don't blood know. in the water. I don't know if that's true. Well, but the other night we they were can, out. They, they can, I guess, be aggressive because they, the three of them attacked this dog. I didn't know when I was, uh, you know, Tampax fully in place, hanging out on your porch recently <laughs> that... Big boy could have come come jumped on you. God damn, what would happen? If it was me versus big boy, I'd want you to take me out. <laughs> Save big boy. Tommy comes out. I'm like, let her go. She said she wants to die doing what she loves. I want to save big boy. Big boy's our stoop raccoon. Which, God, I'm going to get choked up. Now that you've moved. (laughs) You got to go over and visit him. I'll have to drive the neighborhood hunting (laughs) raccoons. That lady's still over here. That car still shows up even though those people moved out. (laughs) That crazy bitch in the Crocs or the Whataburger cups back. Well, maybe we'll find a new uh, rodent over yeah, at we'll the find, new house we'll find a new friend yes. we'll find a new friend but yes. oh jen yeah that is uh good looking out now that i know too if the dog you know if i look in the backyard and the rec if there's a raccoon back there you know i might think oh well they're they're fine but if there's a crowd of them you yeah. don't know yeah you got ganged up on they got juiced <laughs> they could take the goose out she's a bit smaller oh, than a raccoon yeah, yeah i gotta be careful one of them could take off with her holy cow well, thank you, Jen. What a and thank you to everybody else that sent in your Freaky Friday stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, a band of raccoons, <laughs> you've seen a UFO, you've had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. You know what else they should do? They should go to sinisterhood.com slash live shows. Yeah. If you live in Tacoma and Portland... We're going to be there. It's a full moon. In like a couple days. In days. March 7th is the next full moon, and we will be kicking off our full moon energy tour in Tacoma, Washington. We didn't even plan this, by the way. No. So I feel like the universe is saying, "It's right. you guys did it right. We did yep. it. We're on the, the right track. Well, we'll be in Tacoma on the 7th. We're going to be in Portland, Oregon on the 8th. As always, we said, if you have anything fun to do in Tacoma or Portland, let us know. Send us an email, a DM, whatever. And if you're in any of the other cities we're going to go to, which include Denver, Salt Lake City, Austin, Houston, San Francisco, Los Angeles, or more tour dates coming Mm -hmm. soon. We have a phone call tomorrow. We might get some more information. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will let you know as soon as we know. Actually, we'll let Patreon subscribers know first, and then everybody else will know. But go to SinisterHood.com slash live shows to get your tickets for the currently announced cities and then keep your eyes on patreon for our future cities we'll announce them there first and then we'll announce them on social media and on the air absolutely well we love providing sinister hood to you at no cost so if you like what you hear consider supporting the show by donating to our patreon we're a small operation creating the show for you by researching writing recording and producing it ourselves 
any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Ruling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and more. And our patrons in the Getting Into It tier are also able to vote on a bonus content segment they would like to see us live stream each month. And when is this month's bonus content live stream, Heather? This month's bonus content live stream is March 31st at 2 p.m. Central. And our special Patreon live Q&A is March 29th at 8 p.m. Central. Mark your calendar. You can head to our Crowdcast page or the link in our Instagram bio to sign up. Absolutely. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. For our patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available, and when you select this option, you are rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit SinisterHood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. And if you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag, like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit SinisterHood.com and click on Shop on the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. Go to SinisterHood.com slash review for quick links. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlist from Spotify by visiting SinisterHood.com slash playlist. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. You can also find us on YouTube and TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast. You can also send a video message via Cameo at Cameo.com slash Sinisterhood. We love when we get feedback. We've gotten a couple of DMs and emails thanking us for Cameos when we get to wish people happy birthday, give them a pep talk, happy anniversary, I love you, I'm sorry I gave you a, a trip to the hospital, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. We've had some amazing mm-hmm. Cameos. So Cameo.com slash Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at on the internet? I'm on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather, where are you? Oh, I'm on the Twitter at MCK versus the world and I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. <laughs>